we have to reframe all the time. We reframe just as much as we pivot as leaders. A very recent reframing I did was actually during the course of an interview. I was interviewing uh, somebody who would be a peer to me that came from a very large company is now finding themselves in a smaller organization that's going through a lot of change and there's an integration taking place. And as a result of the integration, there's a lot of friction with regards to systems, processes, tools, and operations. And this individual was sharing some of that frustration with me, almost in a sense of like forewarning me. And I smiled and I shared with this individual, that's actually not a problem. It's an opportunity. Welcome to Create New Futures, a show about thought-provoking ideas and practices you can use to create and shape your future in life and in business. Join Avi Shahar, author and innovation strategy consultant, as he shares his proven strategies that have helped clients create breakthrough results. Aviv has guided executives at Fortune 100 companies, and now he wants to help you. Welcome to Create New Futures, where we develop conversations with successful leaders and entrepreneurs to explore how you can create new futures for you and for your organization. This is Aviv, and today I'm speaking with Pfizer Huell. Pfizer is a go-to-market leader, board member, and mentor. She was Ring Central's chief customer officer and just recently retired from Ring Central after 11 years of an extraordinary ride where her strategic oversight of sales and execution has been a critical driver for Ring Central's growth from $23 million to over $1.5 billion in annual recurring revenue. Pfizer was here with us on episode 16. And so it's great to have you back on this show, Pfizer. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. What is, let's start right away with what is it you are enjoying most in this liminal zone post an intensive corporate phase? Aviv, it's been 22 years since I actually pumped the brakes and just stopped. And I think I'm enjoying the time with my family, of course. I realized that my son was entering second grade. He's been in school, preschool, transition, kindergarten, first grade. And as a mother, I had only picked him up from school two or three times. So it was really fun to wind down his school year with him, to enjoy the summer with him, to see him in his element with his friends, in his world, to participate in the school activities, just to do all the things. But something pretty magical happened to me recently that you don't know yet. I became a grandmother recently. So I would say the time with family, but at a very heightened level, like watching my grandson grow. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. I goosebumps thinking of that fact that my daughter is a mother. It's amazing. Just amazing. But I've also been doing some deep investments in myself. I've been on a health journey for the last three years and I'm nowhere near done. I have some serious metabolic issues that I've been tackling head on and I've lost 82 pounds. I've got about 45 more to go. But look, it's not about the weight. The weight is kind of the benefit. It's about my health and wanting to watch my grandson graduate high school and do all these great things. And I've been able to connect, I think, deeply with my family, but also deeply with myself. And it's been 
an incredible moment of reflection, just incredible. Wow. Yeah. In one way, more cliche, but also more true than talking the way you're talking about grandparenting. And I've obviously am mm-hmm. journey too. And my line there is you either experience it and you know how true it is, or you think, well, what are they talking about? So just mm-hmm. discover it for yourself. So, so that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And how you're able to do that and retether in the sense of yourself, your journey, your health, and wanting to make some long-term dedicated commitment to yourself, to your own purpose, and to be here around for your family for a long time. So that's awesome. Really powerful to hear. So I think I'd like us to reflect on your journey and for you to take a high level retrospective view and describe what is it you're most proud of in terms of all the things that you've accomplished just to for you to ground yourself for a moment in this feeling and to give yourself the freedom it may be the big numbers but it may be something completely different what where do you feel and experience the greatest sense of pride when you reflect on your journey so far at the most simple level the success and outcome of the customers that we served and the teams that we built, really. I mean, we could sit back and and say, yeah, I'm proud. I was part of building this $2 billion company over the last 12 years, or I'm proud that we created a video platform at WebEx so magnificent it became the household brand. And it put video collaboration on the market for all companies. Those things are great moments of pride. But at the end of the day, I think what really fills my purpose is the results that those efforts had. The results for the people that I led, the people that led me, the results for the customers and watching those customers and their stories and how those organizations really grew. As a leader of SMB, you work a lot with entrepreneurs and small businesses. And I really think that's the heartbeat of our nation in many ways. It really is. And it's so fun to sit and watch these entrepreneurs, these very small businesses become these amazing big corporations and watch them grow. We did an exercise before I left my seat as the SVP of SMB at RingCentral. And the exercise was to look through the hundreds of thousands of customers in the install base and resegment those that had grown, Aviv. We're talking thousands of little tiny companies that I signed up with my team that were, when we signed them up, sub 100 employees that were now needing to go to our enterprise account management team. That's how big these companies grew. It was a moment of reflection. My team was really sad, wondering how are they going to retire quota without these upsells? And I was beaming, just smiling ear to ear, because what came to my mind in that moment was these business owners were once just like my family, like my mother or my father as entrepreneurs. And now today they're CEOs and founders of these thousand plus person organizations. And Ring Central is really able to power that growth. And that feels really good at the end of the day. We've done our job if we can say that we did that. And your direct connection to experiencing their success and seeing it as your reward is, is just powerful. When you reflect on your professional journey, what would you say is the, was the most difficult thing you've had to do? And what was the most rewarding and inspiring element in your career? And you may have mentioned that already, but when yeah. you juxtapose the most difficult, the most challenging, and the most rewarding and inspirational. I think as leaders, we are faced with hard decisions every day. As leaders, as individual people, as parents, as parents, 
clearly I made a lot of hard decisions along the last 22 years as a leader. The most difficult decision I made was to leave my company. I had built this amazing family within Ring Central, and gosh, it was hard, but I was ready. What I realized, though, this moment of clarity occurred. I wasn't leaving the people. I was just embarking upon a new adventure. The relationships I created with the customers, with the employees, with my leaders, those relationships will be there forever, no matter where I sit or what I'm doing in my life. So I'm super grateful for those relationships and just to have that experience and really grateful to have that moment of clarity of realizing like you're not leaving a company, you're not leaving people, you're embarking upon a new journey. And there's a difference. It's a significant difference. And I think people tend to hold on because of the loyalty and the relationships. And I've always thought it was so cliche when people say you need to be loyal to yourself. And now I'm realizing what that actually means. You don't have to break ties. You just evolve and move on. You told me once, gosh, I'm going to date us. (laughs) You told me once, I think it was in 2015, right? We were talking about growth and how trees grow from the inside out. They don't grow from the outside in. And I think I was thinking about upon that conversation, actually, as I was making my decision. And I was thinking about what I was doing for my own internal growth. And I realized I wasn't doing anything for my internal growth. Taking a new role as CCO was a new challenge. And it was super exciting. And I never thought in a million years I'd be as good at it as I was. I did really great. I love my customers. You know that. And it gave me a forum to just be deeply immersed with my customers. And I loved every bit of it. And I thought of Eve at the time when I took the role, this is at least a two-year journey for me. I never knew that I would accomplish everything on that list in less than a year. I never knew it. And it wasn't me. I didn't accomplish those things. My team did. I was merely just bringing people together. And I realized in that moment, that's my master. That's what I'm masterful at, bringing people and teams together to solve challenging, complex problems. And I get to do that no matter where I go. And we will evolve the conversation shortly in that direction, the idea of pulling together great teams, just staying with this reframe example. You reframed, I'm not leaving a company, I'm embarking on the next leg of the journey. That's the power of reframing. And how else and in what way have you used the art of reframing as a leader with your teams? And why has that been an important element in your tool set as a leader, being able to mid-conversation reframe for the people you are exploring with just what it is you're looking at? Wow, that's a great question. I think we have to reframe all the time. We reframe just as much as we pivot as leaders. A very recent reframing I did was actually during the course of an interview. I was interviewing uh, somebody who would be a peer to me that came from a very large company is now finding themselves in a smaller organization that's going through a lot of change and there's an integration taking place. And as a result of the integration, there's a lot of friction with regards to systems, processes, tools, and operations. And this individual was sharing some of that frustration with me, almost in a sense of like forewarning me. And I smiled and I shared with this individual, that's actually not a problem. It's an opportunity. Because when these moments of change happen within your operational process, it's an opportunity to kind of rewrite the book the way you want the story to go. It's a blank canvas, and it's an opportunity for us as leaders to take out our pens, our paintbrushes, and put a new story and a new picture on this canvas. And the way we see it fit, and 
an opportunity to maybe unravel some mistakes. We all make mistakes when setting up systems. You think you're setting it up for the scale you're going to achieve and you get to this moment of scale and you go, oh, I actually have a bunch of system work I have to do to continue this motion forward as you scale your business. So that was a most recent reframing moment. Didn't even happen at Ring Central. actually happened during the course of an interview. Kind of reframed it as not a challenge, but really an opportunity. And it was super fun to have that coaching moment. And right there is the mark of leadership. Leadership is when you reframe a problem as an opportunity, when you reframe a stumbling block as a stepping stone, right there, there is the emergent property of leadership. And you don't need a title to do that. You can do this with the people around you in, in your life, the, your family, your children, your parents, and anybody. When you help people see the world through new eyes, you bring them leadership. And you embody that so beautifully. And so building on that, I want to ask you to reflect and describe in what way have you grown and evolved as a leader through this journey with Ring Central when you started the SMB space and where you ended up? How have you evolved as a leader and how have you changed your view of yourself as a leader? I think being the tribal veteran, this kind of when you're the kind of the last of like the tenured people at the table. There's this notion of, well, this is how we've done things in the past. And you find yourself quickly realizing that these new leaders have been brought in because what you've done in the past got you to where you are today, but not where you want to be. You look, my last three years, I think I reported to seven different leaders at Ring Central in my last three years. And I took a gift from all seven of them. I actually took the time to write it down. And I recently shared it with Ryan Azus, who was my first leader at Ring Central. They each possessed a different quality. And I learned something new and different from each of them. And this journey over the last three years really got me, me, Faiza, I'm telling you this to slow down. (laughs) Never in a million years did I think I'd want to be more calculated, operate slower. I've been a velocity sales leader the majority of my career, which means you're built for speed and you go fast. I've been finding great enjoyment in those moments of slowing down and really thinking through a problem longer term. And I think it was a gift. It was a huge gift. I had this amazing president, Anand Esran, and he really got me to think differently about how I operate my business. But most importantly, he got me to think differently about how I manage myself as an individual and as a leader and taught me that these investments that you make in yourself, how important they are. I remember my first PTO reporting to Anand. I had taken two weeks off. And I hadn't heard from him in four days. And I thought, what's wrong? I should check in with Anand because it's been four days and we haven't talked. And he said, oh, no, nothing's wrong. You're on PTO. (laughs) That's new. (laughs) But look, he taught me to be present and to enjoy it and not to keep checking my email every five minutes or my instant message to see if something was on fire. And at the end of the day, he was right. I have a very strong team. If something was so broken that they needed help, they'd ask for it. But they were strong enough to figure it out and solve it without me because we had grown together. And I I just, I'm going to take that learning with me everywhere I go. I think when you slow down, you can see what's happening around the corner before you get there and be prepared for it. So really harvesting the wisdom, the gifts of each of those leaders, some of them were more aligned with your value set and easier to work with. Some of them presented more of a conflict and a challenge And you're still saying there was something to be learned 
and taken from each of those individuals. But say just a little more about this and also how, what have you learned about working with those different philosophies and leadership philosophies and influencing them and the universe to bend a little bit in your direction? I think you have to call on some experience, particularly the reframing the conversation experience. Each leader is going to have their own style. Each individual employee is going to have their own style. I'm a big fan of situational leadership. I use it in life practices and in business practices because, look, each situation is different. Each person involved in each situation is different and how you communicate and what you communicate matter. Look, I had more aggressive leaders too, and I took great gifts from them as well. As a revenue leader, you have to be aggressive. You have to be competitive. You have to be willing to rise to that occasion and inspire your team to do it as well. The biggest learning is that it didn't need to change who I was, Aviv. I could still be grounded in my values. I could still be grounded in my purpose, and I can still execute aggressive, not aggressive, however, and it doesn't change me. It's all situational based. Heavy competition with Ring Central. I think you saw that unfolding in our marketplace. When we entered the market, we were the de facto cloud PBX provider. Many new cloud PBX providers merged. But look, the world is big enough. There's plenty of business out there. Things got heated in the competitive landscape. Of course they should. Of course they should. The biggest learning I could give my team, the biggest learning I could remind myself of in this climate is something also you shared with me, which was to be more grounded, right? Be grounded in the presence of what I have, focus my energy internally and get those results. And we really did. Even during the height of the pandemic, while things were going crazy, acquisition was on a crazy rise. I think we grew e-commerce over 200%. Things were nuts, right? But you also had this reverse situation during the pandemic where 22% of small businesses had to permanently close their doors. And look, I could have just been focused narrowly on the new acquisition piece, but I wasn't. We took the time to be grounded in the presence of what we had, which was an amazing customer base. And we did some things for those customers that really mattered. We stood up programs. We stood up a small business unity page with some great marketing partners of mine that allowed our customers to see in real time what government loans, what programs were available to them. We paused billing for many people, allowing them to have their communication platform. We changed billing cycles. We did so many things. The funnest thing we did was through one of our marketing leaders, Mike, he launched a small business school challenge. And he was pairing our SMB customers with business students to learn how to pivot their business strategies during the pandemic. So many wonderful ideas came out of it. I saw so much innovation. We loved it so much. We did it three times. It was a phenomenal exercise for our customers. Many people, right, brick and mortars that just couldn't serve their customers would have normally had to close, pivoted to online models, teaching them e-commerce things, teaching them to leverage DoorDash and other delivery services. I had one customer from 24-Hour Tees, Chase, such an innovative guy himself. He put a QR code on the outside of his storefront. So you could snap a picture of the QR code and he linked it through a calendar thing, schedule, do a Ring Central meeting and meet with him and still continue business as usual. You may not have been able to walk in his store, but look, he was creative and sharing his story with other customers was fun as well. So I think these are some key takeaways for me as a leader and as a person that I'll carry with me, you know, wherever I go, whatever I do next. Let's focus on three buckets. Of learnings to specifically codify some key learnings. So bucket one will be building great teams. 
bucket two will be catalyzing massive growth and the strategy that enables that. And bucket three, your own development journey as a leader. And you've already spoken to these three, but let's take them one at a time. If you needed to codify the key learning, the key insights about building great teams, what are the top two or three items that you would share? Item number one, invest in your people. I had one of the most tenured teams at Ring Central. My leadership team had an average tenure of nine years. I myself was there almost 12. Of course, naturally, a lot of these leaders grew up with me as I grew up as well. But look, it was also really important of you to inject external talent into the team. This was a huge learning for me. And we did that. We hired this phenomenal director of sales out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And it was a wake-up moment for me. The energy he brought, the passion, the new ideas were fantastic. It injected our business with new life. And it became very quick learning for me to say, look, I need to start hiring more externally as well. It's so fun to grow internal talent. It's so fun to develop them, to watch them grow. Two of my leaders both started their journeys at Ring Central as inside sales reps, both leaving the company as VPs that were operating $500 million businesses. That's a moment of pride for me. And that's so fantastic. And I should do that plus bring in external talent is really a key learning. So investing in your people would be learning number one. Learning number two is be open. You have to be open as a leader, open to feedback. I welcome a challenger mindset to my table. I don't want to, for a minute, pretend that I know everything. That's lesson number two for me is just to have that open-mindedness. So your people feel comfortable challenging what you're proposing, challenging an idea, challenging each other. That is so critical. Lesson number three is to have a diverse table. Diversity and inclusion is no longer just gender and race. Gender and race are so important to the DEI conversation, but in business, diversity and inclusion is having the right leaders at the table. I learned quickly as a leader that I really needed to round things out. We stopped doing sales operating plans. We started doing SMB operating plans. And at my SMB table, every department within the company was represented. We had product. We had, of course, my sales leadership team. We had, of course, marketing. We had human resources and talent acquisition, FPNA, legal. And as we built an annual operating plan as one team for SMB, not only did we take lots of cycles and friction down in the AOP process, we were able to move mountains, significant mountains. All hands were on deck. It was a very, very big turning point for me, taking SMB from very intentional low growth as we were funding enterprise during that time to being able to ramp quickly back up to 20 plus, plus, plus percent growth. It wouldn't have happened without having the right diversity at the table. So building on these keys and adding what else would you codify in terms of catalyzing and enabling massive growth. Not many companies get to enjoy such an extraordinary accelerated growth trajectory. What are some things that people have to understand about operating in a space where you are rapidly growing? I think lesson number one on explosive growth is you have to be nimble. You have to be nimble. So many things change. You put all this time, effort, energy, attention into building what you think is the most magnificent plan. And it might be but the one constant in life is change. It could be a change in the market. It could be a change of the leadership team. It could be a change in spend that you've been given for the year. Regardless of the change, you have to pivot. You have to pivot. My favorite pivot, I've cited it before, 
I'll cite it again, is the Netflix pivot, right? Going from those red envelopes to this app that's so easy to use that my son at the age of four could operate it. That was to me a magnificent pivot. So important. So that's lesson number one, be nimble and ready to pivot. Lesson number two is culture. Culture is everything in a business. A hyper growth company needs killer culture. You told me once when I took my SVP role, I don't know if you remember this, to create a culture so magnificent, it becomes contagious. To not focus on all the other departments and wanting to fix company culture, but rather be the leader of culture by creating one so magnificent, it becomes contagious. And I think we did just that, Aviv. Many people wanted to A, be a part of SMB. We had very low employee attrition, super high employee promoter scores. And a lot of the practices that we did, right down to building the right cast around us, bringing in center of excellence and chief of staff and these types of roles to help us really, really show up well, are now common practices in other departments at Room Central. And look, it's not that we were smarter than anyone else. No, not at all. We just took some risks and we focused inward on ourselves and we wanted to create something very special and meaningful. And, and we did. Peter Drucker used to say that culture will eat strategy for breakfast every day of the week. And in Create New Futures, we updated it. When I wrote the book, I said that strategy will accelerate you down the runway, but culture is the lift. So unless you have the right culture, you're going to move very fast on the runway, but you're going to crash at the end of the runway. You'll never take off. So that is very much what you're describing there. Is there anything else you will codify, and you said already a lot there, in terms of your own development journey as a leader to catalyzing, cultivating, nurturing this idea of a culture in a company where there is a sense of alignment that we're working inside a bigger cause? What else would you say to that? Yeah, as I was going through the journey, I realized I had never done this before. Every role I had, I had never done it before. I had never been an AVP of Ring Central or an RVP or a VP or an SVP or a chief customer officer. So leading by example became very important, investing in myself, admitting out loud I had never done it before. And this is what I'm doing to better enable myself to be prepared to take on this challenge. Participating in every training and development session with my leaders, I never missed one. I never missed one. We had a quarterly enablement calendar. We had an amazing enablement team. Enablement was a huge part of our culture, but showing up, being present and doing the work with your team, creating an open and vulnerable environment and culture and being able to openly admit I had never been an SVP running a billion plus dollar business before. And this is what I'm doing to learn more about that task. And we're going to learn this together. I think really helped, helped a lot, but also being humble enough to know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to go seek counsel externally. Describe a moment when you needed to source in yourself courage. And what have you learned about courageous leadership? Gosh, there's a lot of moments of Eve where I've had to be very courageous in my career, especially as a woman. I'm going to go back in time, way back in time, early in my Ring Central journey. I was so hungry. I started there as a senior manager in some respects. Maybe I had a little bit of regret. I should have negotiated my title and position more. I could have, and I didn't. I just was so excited to be a part of Vlad's mission to change the way the world communicated. I would argue that fast forward, he revolutionized business communications. He did more than he set out to do. I was so excited to be a part of the journey that I wasn't really thinking of myself. But look, I think at the end of the day, if I were to just try to put this in a small little package, 
trying to find the right words for it. It's an inquiry about courage. I know. I'm going back to a, a moment in time where Dave Berman was an advisor at Ring Central when I joined. Do you remember this? And he would be often in our QBRs. And for some reason, having that familiar face gave me courage. There was times he wasn't there. And I remember later down the journey, Dave Sipes, my COO, one of the best mentors I've had. The guy really could write books on MBAing for business. It's amazing. He told me, pulled me aside and he said, you have great ideas and you're smart, but you don't speak up enough. And I was so shy. It was so hard for me to speak up, especially because a lot of times I disagreed with what the conversation was. Or there were times I felt the conversation had gone into the weeds and I just don't play there. Finding the courage to speak up and challenge publicly in an environment, executives far above me, people who I wanted to be like without having that title, right, was really challenging for me. The moment I did was the moment my career trajectory completely changed. He was right. I needed to be the challenger in the room. I was asking this of my people, but I wasn't doing it myself. I needed to speak up and have the courage to do it. And I think the biggest learning from that was really realizing that by not speaking up, you're not helping your company grow and you're not mitigating problems for the people behind you. Even as a senior manager with, what did I have at the time? Maybe 50 people behind me. I was not doing any of those people any favors by being quiet in the room. It almost sounds, Faiza, like the transformative moment on the inside is a point where you're saying to yourself, if you're not going to speak up, I'm not going to respect you. That is, respect yourself. And as a matter of self-respect and a sense of dignity, you called yourself forward to bring your voice to the table. How would you agree with that? Or would you state it differently in terms of finding that sense of, I have to bring my voice to the table? Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think the why, why do I have to bring my voice to the table? Wasn't just my own growth, but also doing my number one job as a leader, removing obstacles from my team. By not speaking up, you're not doing your number one job as a leader. So if you can't do it for yourself, God's sake, do it for your team. (laughs) At least, please. Yes. (laughs) What mentoring and coaching advice do you most offer to younger leaders? Self-initiation. Don't wait to be asked. If you have an idea, execute it. You don't have to be a leader. Look, you could be the receptionist at an organization. We are all leaders in our own right. People need to remember this. And you need to empower yourself to be a self-initiator. If you have an idea, share it, pitch it. If you see a problem and you know how to fix it, do it. I can't tell you how many times I see young VPs, especially in a room where a bunch of executives are trying to solve a problem and they knew the answer the whole time. They were just too shy to speak up and say something reminiscent of someone you might know in my earlier career. And what I find is more often than not, these younger leaders actually know what to do, just not speaking up. So I think self-empowerment, self-initiation are the biggest things I end up finding myself coaching on when I'm in mentoring sessions with other people. That's powerful and beautiful. Is there anything else you'd highlight from this journey before I ask you the closing question of what's next for you? What else would any other parting wisdom just reflecting on this extraordinary journey you're coming out of? Yeah, I think uh, gratitude is the one thing I'd highlight. You know, look, if you asked me, my 21-year-old self, what are you going to be when you grow up and what are you going to do? I would have told you I wanted to be a sales leader. Little did I know I was going to be a part of two magnificent companies surrounded by executives 
that I would learn so much from. It's amazing. And the gratitude for the people who you lead, knowing that I didn't grow a business. I didn't create a billion dollar SMB business at Ring Central. My team did that. They did that. That's pretty amazing. And I think just being grounded in that gratitude for the people behind you, the people above you, for your customers, it's amazing. When you can just pause and have that gratitude, not many people can say that they had one great story. I've recently had two great stories over the last 22 years. It's absolutely magnificent. I am so grateful for what I've learned, for whom I've helped, for what I've accomplished, for the impact we've made in our customers' journeys. I mean, these are moments of Eve for me that make me want to keep going. People ask, are you going to retire? No, I want to help more people. I want to more help more people. I want to help more leaders. I want to help more customers. I think we're doing some really good in the world. A lot of people think big corporate executive, oh, you're the bad guy. You're not doing good in the world. But when you think about all those SMBs that we've helped at WebEx, at RingCentral, why stop? Why stop? Those people are people like you and I, and they have families and goals and aspirations. I want to see all of them accomplish it. Where will you be in five or seven or 10 years? Well, I have some big aspirations, Aviv. I want, I've learned a lot about myself during this last few months as I've been interviewing. I used to think I wanted to be a CEO. I don't want to be a CEO. Who knew? Who knew? And I wouldn't have known had I not been on this journey interviewing for different roles. What I found is that there are key aspects to business I love. I love go-to-market. I love sales, marketing, post-sales. I love customers. I like being deeply immersed with customers and people. I love leading people. And I love creating an environment where people thrive. And I was talking to a mentor recently, and he says, it sounds like you're not a CEO. It sounds like you're a president. <laughs> and that you should just lead go-to-market and people. And I thought, wow, you're 100% correct. <laughs> I don't get as excited or passionate about finance, legal, engineering. I'm not super technical by nature. I'm a lover of people, process, and operations. And I should just be confident in that and know that that's actually more than enough for me. So that's been a big learning. <laughs> at you know, just on this one, listening to the way you narrate this story, and we're going to have the opportunity to watch the journey ahead When you follow this authentic voice inside, it might squeeze you nevertheless to the CEO seat just because you are so inspirational for others. So let's wait and see what happens next. Thank you. Thank you. Wait and see. Yeah. This has been an awesome conversation. Any final parting thought from you to share with people listening to Creating New Futures? You know, I'd say parting thoughts, continue to invest in yourself. You've got one shot at life. Live mm. it to the fullest. Be present. Drown yourself in it. It's okay. I used to think, oh, if I stop and I do this, I won't accomplish that or let someone else down. No, it's the opposite. By pausing and investing in yourself, you're so much better for everybody around you, your family, your teams, your company, your customers. You really have to take your energy and focus it inward. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Aviv always encourages his clients to identify the one or two ideas they can move forward into action immediately. What will you capture and apply today? You can always begin with a small action and then build momentum over time. When you move forward from an idea to action, you get immediate ROI, return on the time you invested, and return of learning 
and then the learning cycle builds the success propulsion. One more thing, you can reach Aviv directly by phone and email to discover how he can help you create a new future for your business and organization. Creating your new future can begin today.